just talk it, walk it. Walk is only. Don't just talk it, walk it. Don't just talk it, walk it. Walk is only. Don't just talk it, walk it. Walk is only. Mr. Reese Evans, how are you doing, boss? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, mate. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It's um, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, I think we discussed it in Welsh camp. A lot of things was happening there, and um, finally moved over to this side of the pond again, and uh, we could finally do it. So. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. It's been good. I've been uh, watching a few of the lads that you've had on already, and really enjoyed watching them yeah. and listening to them. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, mate, yeah, well, thank you, first of all. But, man, what a journey it's been for you. Obviously, this is your first year out in retirement life. How's that been going? Uh, it's a bit of a change, um, but I kind of knew it was coming probably about six to nine months ago. Mm. So I've been preparing for it. So, no, it's been a bit different working a normal job, as we would yeah. say, compared to being a rugby player. So, no, but good good enjoyment. Yeah. I was, um, well, obviously, like you said, it's a bit of a change. How have you found the change from... Obviously, the like now it's to the nine to five where before it might have been you know six till twelve or and the the deeper different people you rub shoulders with. Obviously, that the boys chat is totally different to the, the work chat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially working in the type of job I am now. It's a as a mortgage advisor. It's a completely different way of chatting and stuff. But um, yeah, I think the main difference for me is because I've gone self-employed. Is actually implementing my own structure. Mm. Um, as you know, like with rugby, you sent a schedule, follow mm. it to the T kind of thing whereas I've got to implement that myself and make yeah. sure I'm busy yeah, and yeah. doing everything I do so but it's nice to have that freedom to do it so um, yeah. yeah completely different but good nice mate nice you had a little a little break before starting and you went, you went away to America didn't you yeah I went away to New York for seven days with, uh, with my girlfriend Emma which was fun uh not really a massive fan of heights going up them tall buildings, <laughs> so I was shaking a bit on a couple of them but now I really enjoyed it First time I've been, uh, especially going around Christmas time as well, getting that feel with all the Christmas lights and stuff. So mm. now nah, it was really good. That's class, that is. It's, um, well, man, I've known you, oh, man, well, I'm trying to think now, before before high school, we went, um, I knew you when you were, was you at Tremaine's or Backler? Uh, Tremaine's. Tremaine's, yeah, that's yeah. how long I remember. But we played um, like districts together, then went to, they went to comp high school together. And I've seen you the whole time. And then obviously you got off opportunity, you and your brother, to go up to Warrington. What age was that? So it would have been 13. 13. So, yeah, 13, yeah. It was mad, it? Because obviously when you're that age, right, you always have a couple of players who um, were just so much head and shoulders above everyone else. And that was you and your brother. And there was probably one or two other fellas, but one thing you probably had over them was like you would go out and do extras and go train. And you were a bit of an athlete anyway that age. You were doing like three other sports and doing extremely well with them. So Yeah, I just enjoyed sport in general. I think um, playing rugby, playing football, playing cricket, I think we were all kind of that same mindset when we were that age of getting out and doing mm. things. Um, and I think probably when you get to that like that age is when you start thinking, right, which one am I kind of going to follow through with and maybe make a career out of it? Yeah. Um, and then as a result of the interest with Warren, it kind of went that yeah. avenue then. Do you think if you had your time back, do you think you'd ever wait a bit longer and, and maybe go on a union path? Um, I am an R at sometimes. I think at the time, I don't know if it's different now, but at the time I don't think you could sign professionally until you're 18. I don't mm. know if it's the same now rugby union if it changed since then. Um, and it was two biggest words for me were what if mm. kind of thing. What if we turn this down and something doesn't happen? You could only make a decision on something at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of felt like 
And me and Ben had our own subtle differences about it, but I kind of felt like, no, I want to give this a go. Yeah. And if it fails, then at least I can say I've given it a go. Um, but in hindsight, I always think, well, if I'd stayed, maybe I would have got into professional ranks rugby union. And obviously everyone's dream as a young rugby yeah. lad is to play for Wales and then be mm. further honours as well. So yeah, that's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, and it was something I did look into at some point yeah. when, um, a few years ago. Really? Um, yeah, which I'll touch on a bit now, which <laughs> nearly happened. But um, but yeah, that's always in a little bit of mind as well, back in the day. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. Obviously, like, we're both from the same town, totally different accents now. And um, it's funny how our paths have just kind of merged again together now from a young age until coming back up to North, going to North England now. So it's really interesting. I'm really grateful to have you on here because um, you've always... So out of you and your brother, I'd say you're the more the quieter one. You kind of go about your, diff, your business a different way. Um, Ben's the larrikin, the loud one. Yeah, <laughs> love Ben, but that's Ben to a T in it. Like, yeah, so you, yeah, so but you go about your business a different way, which is you know just different personalities type types. But um, it's pretty cool just to see your journey. Obviously, there's been some hardships on the way, but you know you can reflect on your career and go, you know what, from the adversities I've had, like I can hold my head up high. And be like extremely proud of what you've achieved, you know. Like we're 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 not meant to be from where we're from. We're not meant to be going on that pathway that you went. You know, it's rare people that do that at that age. Yeah, hundred percent. I think when you come back to difficulties, I think difficulties kind of shape you as a person, and you can look at it two ways. You can either use use it as a way of making yourself stronger, learning from it, gaining experience, or you can you can make it kind of bring you down. Mm. And I think obviously the initial is bring you down. Yeah. yeah. But then once you have that time to reflect, you kind of use that adversity to make you grow as a person mm. um, and it helps you moving forward. So true. So true. I, th- I can totally agree with that. So let's let's break it down. Let's go through the journey as such. So obviously you got scouted at a young age going up to, to Warrington. Was that just from a, a rugby? Was that when we were playing for like Brintig and then getting, we played against a couple of English teams and then kind of got spotted through that, was it? Yeah, it actually came from um, the final we played at Millennium. So oh, wow. we started there. So um, where me, you, Ben and Will kind of did all right that day, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Or getting over for a meat pie. So um, yeah, it started from there. Uh, and then we went and played for Wales, didn't we? Mm. Under 13s. And then kind of came to head when we played for Wales in, I don't know if you remember, we played up in Sheffield. It's mm. like the regions. That's right. Um, and a scout from Warren came again, yeah. um, which was actually Andy Farrell's dad. Andy yeah. Farrell, yeah. Um came and watched us, like what he saw, invited us down for a week just to see what it was like at Warrington, the setup because they had the scholarships out. Um, and we were just traveling back and forth and just training. And I think it came to like year nine sats. We were like, right, are we going to do this properly or not? Um, because we were leaving school at 12, mm. getting home at nine o'clock at night, doing three hour commutes each way, um, which was fair play to me mum at the time. Yeah. Um, massive commitment. So, we kind of made that decision that, right, we're going to need to do it properly and then relocated. Wow. And and to be honest, like without, you know, it was some tough times at the start though as well, wasn't it? You know, you're still so young, but um, going down that path, I think we spoke about it briefly. Like um, your mum, like you said, sacrificed so much, but not many people know that if you don't mind sharing it about the, you know, when it come to your parents had, oh, you're not your parents as such. It was a breakup in between your mum and her partner at the time. And do you want to tell a bit of the story and how it all went regarding the, the journey as such? Yeah, it was hard. Like my mum was with someone at the time when we relocated. And I think it was a bit of a strain on the relationship when we moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he left 
um, probably about a year after that. Mm. Um, and it kind of timed up when me and Ben went, kind of signed our first semi-professional contract and it came around where basically we needed to help my mum financially at the time to kind of get through, which is hard for any 16-year-old, but I think it was harder for my mum at the time um, kind of thing. And we kind of kind of bonded together even more to kind of make sure that we could get through Mm. that tough period. And I think then it kind of made us more even motivated to make it a success that we had to dig in together as a family. Mm. Fair, it's interesting though. Do you think that's why you're such a tight ass now? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's 16 realizing that what you, what you thought was pocket money is now going elsewhere. Um, kind of get open to a new world of all the bills and stuff. So, yeah, yeah 100%. I'm always looking for deals, vouchers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think now we've been with Emma for seven years and I've kind of turned her into that as well. Yeah. So, we're both the same, but um, nice, yeah. No, yeah. It's, I'm only pulling your leg, but you know, it's probably a learning curve at a young age that you got to have, you know, regarding money and finances and, and look what you're doing now. Yeah. Kind of learning to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, obviously like, yeah, obviously that's a young age for you and Ben at 16 to, to be doing things like that, you know, financially and probably weren't on big money at that time. Anyway, at 16, I wouldn't imagine, you know, no, not, not mega money at the time. It was first kind of Academy contract, mm. but, um, it definitely opened my eyes to how the real world is. Mm. I think as a 16 year old, you don't really know, anything probably even now probably in your new 20s you yeah. still don't know really how it works from that point of view but opened my eyes to that and just like i said gave me more motivation to succeed so yeah. i could help my mom help the family um, and kind of get on my own two feet as an individual as well yeah yeah nice do you then obviously going in a 16 into a full-time environment warranted that would have been pretty like eye-opening as well and was it anyone in particular in the playing group that you know like put their arm over your shoulder or were like big you know, figures, you know, like you'd look up to a bit. Yeah, 100%. I think going in 16, 17 to that team at the time, it was full of stars, really. Yeah. Um, and it was trying to find your way in it. Mm. Um, but I think the overseas lads are really great when they come over because they're, they've they changing lifestyles. They know what it's kind of like for a young kid going through. And particularly for me, it was both Monaghan brothers and Matt King were great to me and Ben yeah. in the sense of inviting us out for food, kind of like asking us how we were, keeping in touch, giving us tips in sessions and stuff like that to help us improve. Um, they really kind of kept an eye, not just on me and Ben, that age group that came through because mm. quite a few of us at the same time. So I'm always grateful to them um, for doing that. And I kind of felt like at the back end of my career, I kind of took that on with people. That's great. Kind of, because if I can give something to a young kid who's coming through, maybe he's got some queries about a contract situation or just about game time or anything like that. If I can do the same of what they did for me, yes, yeah. kind of giving back, isn't it? Oh, amazing, mate! Definitely, you've got to, you know. I think once someone's taught you something, or you've gone through something, and someone's done it for you, you've got to pass the pass the baton on to the next person. You know, so it's a great outlook on life. That is. Did you um, at the time was it Tony Smith was your coach? Yeah, Tony. Yeah, uh, so he he came in when I was just before I went full time. Yeah, change of coach, but um, Tony was great for me really because he was very good tactically. And he'd already done a lot with a group of youngsters that came through at Leeds at the time. Mm. So he knew how to kind of manage players' expectations when you're young, when all you want to do is play. Yeah, yeah. But it's about learning. And that might be in and out of the team, mm. kind of, and just experiencing it bit by bit. Yeah. So he was good for our development for sure. How old were you when you debuted? I was just before I was 18. Really? Wow. That's, and what was that feeling like for Warrant then? Nervous. Yeah. Um, I was on the bench. 
I didn't come on in the first half, which made it worse because yeah. you're just waiting. Um, came on, it was London away for about 25 minutes and I think it's like any game, as soon as you get your first touch, you're in. Yeah, you're good. Kind of thing. But I did get whacked by Danny Ward and I was like, right, this is like playing against adults now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. You could just feel the physicality difference, mm. which as you get older, you then yeah. become more stable with it, isn't it? Definitely, you get a bit more conditioned to the wax and whatnot. Yeah. Well, how many years did you spend at Warrington in the end? Seven years. Seven years yeah. there. So whole identity was there and you had about over 80 games there? Just over 100, yeah. Over 100? Oh, well, I'm off. (laughs) We'll check Wikipedia after this. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's pretty impressive. So so a top flight team like that, you know, in our journey as such from youngsters going up to the... I remember we played 20s against each other and I don't... Yeah, you would have played first team by then, I think. You you would have been in and out of 20s. That was the time when I was kind of in and out in the reserves. Um, There was like a group of seven of us that were kind of doing Mm. And then... Like it was quite normal back end of like the season. If you weren't playing first team, you'd get dropped down to reserves if reserves were doing well. Yeah. Um, and try and push to do well in that competition. Then. Mm. Um, which we did end up winning my final year there. Yeah. Um, because we had a good good group of lads there. But yeah, just getting that experience of in and out kind of thing. Mm. And uh, did you you win a, a comp with Warrington or did you always miss out on the finals? You pretty just missed out. Warrington so, famous uh, for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's one of my regrets really like I wish we'd won something um, 2016 was the best year where yeah. we we did win the league leaders but then we lost the Challenge Cup and Grand Final in the same year mm. so we were this close to doing the kind of the treble yeah well um, but it's one of them isn't it yeah reflecting on your time at Warrington you know what, what things would you say you're most proud of and what things were you, you know your hardest battles here um, I think I'm most proud of probably playing in them types of games because I think when you're watching it as a kid when I first started really taking interest in rugby league mm. they were the games that we would watch kind yeah. of thing um, so to play in them types of finals play, I played in a World Cup series game against St George and Brisbane mm. they were the games that I look back on and I've actually got the shirts framed in the house because nice. I'm, I'm proud of them um, but you always think oh could I have done more mm. like I think I struggled with injuries whilst I was there so I probably could have played more games but part of the sport is getting injured sometimes yeah. you can't control that um but yeah i'm proud of what i did there yeah. um and it's always part of my career that i look back on fondly that's good like you said it, it's carved you as a person so much seven years of your life there did you what was your worst injuries that you had a couple of injuries there, didn't you shoulders shoulders were the worst yeah so um i've had three shoulder operations um the first one i actually tore the lat off the bone as well Wow. Um, so that was a six month one and it was never the same after really because I had to have it reconstructed. So I kind of had to play within limits. Yeah. Um, which we all do. Because we've all got injuries. Very lucky if you go through that without having a major one. As, yeah. you know, as you wow. know. Um, but yeah, it, that was the worst one by far. Do you think there's any, like if, if people actually knew that I, when they say, you know, if a coach or someone says, so you 100% to play this weekend, like if, if you, any player says they're 100, like physically, you'd be like, come on, mate, you've probably got a bit of a tear in a, in a ligament somewhere. You've got like some bruising or, you know, a cork or, a, or you know, you're, you're struggling with something somewhere, you know what I mean? You just And some people are getting jabbed throughout the season to just keep on playing. So it's, it's really hard to say I'm 100% this week. Mentally, you'd be 100%, but physically, you're probably a bit off that. Oh, I think when, after you've played your first game, you're never 100% because mm. you're always like, reco- even your weekly recovery sessions, you still might get a knock or a yeah. sting or whatever, and then you have your, your serious operations. But I think in the sport, 
the industry we was in, you, you never want to miss a game because that gives some, someone else an opportunity, mm. which means then you might not get back in. So you're borderline fit, not fit, but you, you're always going to put your hand up. It's that, it's that bravado, isn't it? Definitely. Kind of trying to um, not miss miss out on a spot. Exactly. That's the hardest thing, I think. You you know, you'll, you'll probably earn your position, you'll get your opportunity, you play well, and you'll have one injury, and then you're back down the pecking order, and you're like, fuck me, dead. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like you've got to start again. And that's the mental battle there, I'd say, you know, where... You, you know, how many times can you get back up off an injury and go, I got to go again, I got to go again? And it does take a toll on you, as you know. It's a roller coaster. I think it's it's a physical roller coaster, but I think it's more of a mental one because our performance is, is kind of expertise or analyzed every week. Mm. So you're only as good as your last performance. Yeah. So if you've done bad, you're thinking, how do I correct it? If you've done good, you're like, yeah, but you can't rest on your alls because then you could have a bad one the week after yeah. and then someone else comes in. And then you add to that with the with potential injuries where if you're out for three, six, nine months at a time, that's a long time in the career span yeah. that we have as a rugby player. So it's you're always thinking, oh, I've got to be on top of this, I've got to do that, I've got mm. to do this. So it's, it is, I think, mentally quite draining. Yeah. Do you think confidence players, for instance, like, you know, this, like you talked about, you're as good as your last game. So, like, if someone's had a bad game and they know video's coming up, I'm going to get at you. Like it, it can be detrimental to some people's performance the next week if they're confident, if they are confident players. Would you say with yourself, you were a confidence player or would you say like you were a bit like a bit of a tap when they asked, come on, mate, get on with this sort of thing? Um, I kind of, I was a little bit different. So I knew when I had a bad game, mm. I didn't need someone to tell me. And my reaction would be right. If I get the opportunity again, I'm going to prove I'm better than what I was and prove whoever thinks I'm wrong, right? That was just, I, I liked having that challenge. Yeah. But I think it's, the main thing is the coach knowing that individual. Mm. If they know that person responds to a kick up the backside yeah, yeah. and give it them, if they respond to it being told off publicly in a team meeting rather than one-to-one, yeah. better than do it that way. Or it might be an arm around the shoulder because that person needs that. Yeah. So I think it's treating players how they you think they're best at that rather than everyone the same, mm. which works well, I think. Yeah, I remember um, when, we, when I played Queensland Cup the first time when I was like 19 or something young, and we played like Sun, Sunny Coast Falcons and they weren't that good at that stage. Like they're really good now. And we beat them comfortably and it was a good, it was fun out there. Like it was no like, you know, sometimes you're in the trenches and you're like, oh, it's getting better. But from first game, I thought, oh, I feel good about this. If this is a standard, I'm okay. And then the following week we had PNG Hunters and I couldn't hit the barn door. My Every pass I did was just off the mark and I just wasn't there. And I think that's one thing maybe youngsters struggle with is consistency though, you know, like that going again the following week, you know, and holding that and maintaining it. It's, um, I remember looking at that and, you know, that's part about being a professional too, though, is that side of the game where you've got to be on every week. I think I got pulled off a half time as a halfback. So, like, that's not that's not well if you're a halfback and <laughs> hooked a half time. <laughs> it's like being a goalkeeper in football, isn't it? If you're getting pulled off as a goalkeeper, something doing not right there, is it? It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think, I think you only learn to be consistent through experience. Mm. And I think that's why... Tony was really good for us yeah. because he'd know when people would start them coming down. Yeah. He, like, I think every young player peaks for a couple of games because of the adrenaline and yeah. and then consistently comes down and then you go back up. And I think it probably takes a couple of years at least, I think, to kind of consistently be right. I can, even when I'm not playing great, I'm, yeah. I'm here rather than being here or there. When was the hardest part for you where like the mental toll took it on you? Um... I think when the injuries started wearing on me a bit where I couldn't do physically what my mind wanted me to do, mm. which would probably be the last year or two. Um, at Bradford? At Bradford, yeah, um, where 
Um, I was enjoying it. I really enjoyed Bradford. It was part-time and a great group of lads there. Um, but physically, I couldn't do what I used to do. Mm. And I, I always had the mindset of, if I can't do it to the ability I want it to do it as, then I'll walk away. Yeah. Because I don't want to be playing and making my body any worse than it already is. Mm. And two, I know that this career finishes roughly around 35 if you're lucky. Mm. So I was always in the back of my head thinking, I need to get ready for the next stage of my life. Because obviously we love being a rugby player, but it's for 15, 20 years, tops. Tops, yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, which I think is quite difficult for other people who aren't mm. in a sporting environment to understand that retiring from your first job at 35 and it's a complete change yeah it takes time to mentally prepare for that Mm. um so kind of thinking in that ahead i knew that this year with the world cup Mm. was a nice way to go out yeah did you ever talk to people like welfare officers at clubs regarding transitioning out because you know your, your whole identity for so long has been around rugby and I know you've had some hard times with it with injuries, but like, yeah, just transitioning out of it and speaking to them. So that transition isn't as bad. Like, you know, you talk about being 30 now, but 35, some people are holding on to that to the 55, you know, like they still talk to the, to, to that day that like yesterday, that was a lot, like as if they played sports. So just, yeah, curious with yourself, did you ever, is it people in clubs like Bradford, Lee, Warrenden? Um, to be honest, I spoke to Julie Measures, who was at RLKs at the time, because mm. um, they have a link with the RFL. So I kind of spoke to her about what I wanted, what I was thinking of doing, but I didn't know what I wanted mm. to do. Um, and then it all came from a conversation with speaking to James Green, who's a friend of mine who I played with at Bradford, mm. who's also a mortgage advisor. Uh, and we got on like house on fire. Um, and I was studying to be an accountant, but it wasn't really for me. Mm. And he said, well, why didn't you take your qualifications and become a mortgage advisor and work with me? I was like, well, yeah, that's something I'm passionate about doing. I've always been passionate about property. And also it's keeping that circle of still speaking to lads who have the same banter as me and who've been ex-professionals close to me. Because I think one thing when you retire is you drift from people massively and you don't really see the people that you're seeing on a daily weekly basis because they're either still playing or they've moved to a different part of the country or whatever it may be. So one thing I'm proud about is our the company I work for now, we've got five advisors who are all professional rugby players or ex-professionals. Ex. Yeah, yeah. So it's keeping that circle, but then moving into a new stage of our lives as well. That's good. And you kind of can bump off each other and it probably relieves that maybe that time of hardship so you can talk to each other and be like, oh yeah, you know, just like relieve it, relieve it a little bit to yourself. Remember that time so-and-so did this, remember that? Because like the banter you'll get at clubs is like, you won't get it in an office space, you know? And imagine, the thing, like, it's like, for instance, if, if I reflect on the World Cup, I remember one day just coming in, like we all sitting there at the table, everyone's sitting down eating. And I've literally just come in with a tray with food and like phlegm has absolutely rinsed me, absolutely rinsed me and everyone's laughing. And then, like, you give it back to him. And you can go as bad as you want. And, like, it's, it's like a safe zone. You can get away yeah. with saying whatever you want. And, like, if you ever did that in the workspace, you'll probably get a bad email oh, off your boss. Just giving you a phone call, mate. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Final warning. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. But, yeah, I think that's a good thing about it. I think you've always been pretty clued on, though, Reese. Like, like, even growing up, man, you've always been into stats, numbers, um <laughs> if I look if I went a bit deeper if I thought a bit harder I think there's other things I could talk about but like you've always been around that way so I think it kind of makes sense for you to transition into that so let's just continue with the career anyway though so obviously um 
Warrington ended, you would have been what, 25, 26 at the time, was it? Or younger? Yeah, 25. Yeah. 25. And what was that next step for you then? Um, so I went to Lee for a year. Um, and then following that, I went to Bradford then for a, a year. Mm. Um, and then I actually ended up at Leeds on loan for a year, which was really That's good right. fun. Uh, and then went back to Bradford for a couple of years. Mm. Out of those stages then, obviously living the life in Warrington, like like you said, so many high-profile players. That it's like a turnover every year of new faces. And um, and then going to, no disrespect to Lee at that time, I think, were they just promoted or were they championship? Um, they just got relegated. Relegated, okay. It would have been a fall from grace from you though as well. Do you believe that? No, I think at the time I, I just wanted to play, carry on playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes back to adversity again. Yeah. Um, you deal with adversity the best you can. Yeah. Um, but then when I went to Bradford and then I went to Leeds, I saw it as when you've been somewhere for seven years, you don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. So going to different clubs and earn, getting that experience kind of molded me to who I am now. Yeah. I think if you're at the same club for 15 years, obviously it's great. You get the testimonial yeah, kind yeah. of thing, but you don't really learn about other aspects of other clubs and what's different and what's not. Um, so I, I enjoyed the fact of just seeing that, mm. how other clubs operate. Yeah, nice. Out of all of the clubs you've played at, who's your, your favourite coach? Um, I'd say I'd take bits from each of them. Mm. Um, Tony was very tactical. Yeah. Like streets ahead. Um and knew how to deal with younger players in the sense of getting them ready to be consistent first teamers. Um I had Richard Agar at Leeds, who was also the assistant at Warrington, who we got on really well. And probably because he was assistant at Warrington, we got on more as friends. Because there's a different relationship with an assistant, isn't yeah. it? Oh, Ed, yeah. As you probably know. Um so I could when I went to Leeds, I could speak to him about anything. It was sound. Sound like it was just like having a friend that you could talk to was also kind of your boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then John was just a massive motivator, as you know, John. Yeah. Best, if you ever want to speak for a game, John's a man. John's a man, isn't he? Um, and I think because it was a different environment with it being semi-pro, he understood that people had things outside of rugby. So when I was studying to be a mortgage advisor, he gave me time off for that. Really? Like, That's to, good. Like to get yourself set up and like if you have any family issues, it was, yeah, okay, don't worry about it kind of thing. So... John was very much a people's person. Yeah. Which I think is why everyone at Wales loves him. Yeah. I don't think anyone says a bad word about John because no. if he is he's genuinely cares for you and he's um like you said, if he's willing to give you time off to study and whatnot. What happened at Bradford though? Uh I th- what this last year? Like yeah, the year you were there, you know, it seemed like a tough time there. It was hard because um previous year we'd done well. We finished fifth, but we kind of faded out in the playoffs. Um, I think that was due to the fact that the season was completely different because of COVID. Mm. We was in very early. And I think in total, we were literally literally in for 11 months of the year straight. So I think a bit of fatigue kind yeah. of had that. And I think the following year, we signed quite well. I think like you can make excuses and stuff like that. I, the, the pitch at Bradford isn't the best. Mm. It's been well documented on, but the same teams have got to play on it. Yeah, And I don't think we adapted to it as well as we could have. As a team. As in what? Is it just really boggy or what? It's very narrow. Yeah, right. Um, so um, basically, if you want to get to a tram line or you want to get to a scrum <laughs> line, it's the same point, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that narrow. So it's um, we just found it very difficult to play on it. Um, and we trained on it. We did everything we could do. It just, something just didn't click. Mm. Um, and then John ended up leaving. Mark Dunning, who was a great guy, came in. Um, and he's the head coach there now. Um, and it was hard for him. 
um, at a time to come in and take over. And I think we just couldn't get that consistency in the sense of getting to where we wanted to get to. But it's a great club. I love love the people there. Yeah, yeah. Um, sponsors, people behind the scenes. Um, and I will be going and watching some games this year because nice. I want to keep in touch with people, not just the lads I played with, but people I've met. Yeah, yeah. We're involved in it, but not directly mm. um, because there's good people that are involved in rugby league the way. And it's it's good to kind of see them on a regular basis and also watch it as a fan. Yeah, definitely. It's a, yeah, it's a, you probably look at it in a different way now. Did you think like... Obviously, I don't know the full story with John. Obviously, it always comes down with coaches to performances. But do you think he was hard done by down there, or do you think it was maybe he just better for both parties to split? Um, me personally, I think he should have probably given been given a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, I actually wasn't there for the period of time when he left mm. due to health reasons. Yeah, well, ex- um, explain that. Um, so I've kept this quite quiet because I didn't really want to kind of get out there. But I think it's the right time to talk about it now. Mm. Anyone looking for a demolition strip out, asbestos or hazardous material removal, then look no further than Base Hazmat. They do top quality work with top quality customer service in the Queensland area. Then check out the team at basehazmat.com. So, um, in March um, last year, um, went for team run in the morning, came back, went to Liverpool for the day with me, my partner and Simon Emma. Um, and basically I had a seizure. Um, collapsed outside on the main road, um, stopped breathing for a couple of minutes um, and ended up going to hospital. So obviously when I came around, didn't really have a clue where I was. Bit of a shock, obviously. Bit of a shock to Emma as well. Um, and it took a bit of time to kind of come around from that, get all the tests, um, make sure that everything was okay um, before I could then go back to Bradford and start training and building myself back up to play again. Uh, during that time was when John left. Um, so I came in to see him to make sure he was all right. Um, and then kind of tried to get myself back into a point where I could potentially help the team and get us performing mm. better. Um, well, let's go back to it. So what happened? You were just walking down the street or coming out of the shops, you say? Yeah, so we will laugh at the start of it kind of thing. So it was St. Paddy's Day. So we'd gone out. And uh, we were in Liverpool doing a bit of shopping and then we was like, oh, should we go get some food? Yeah. So I went to this restaurant and because um, they were Paddy's there, you had to pay to get in before even buying anything. Like me being tight, went, oh, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> it's karma. Yeah, it's karma, yeah, all these years. Um, and literally walked about 200 yards and I started getting a bit of a headache. And I was like, she was like, are you all right? Um, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. But then it wouldn't go. And then all of a sudden, I was like, nah, something doesn't feel right here. And luckily, as I was, I said, I need to lean against this wall. As I was leaning against the wall, I fell. And she caught me. Um, or I would have hit my head. Um, would have been a lot worse then. Yeah. Um, and then I can't really remember any else. And then the last, next thing I remember is waking up in the ambulance, being asked questions of like, what's my name? What day is it? Kind of like we would do if you had a HIA test. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then get going off to hospital. Um. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. So then when they did the scans, what do they do? Is it a CT? So they did loads. They did an MRI. Um, they did an EEG, which basically records your brain waves. Um, so they did all the tests and that was all fine. Because um, fair play to Bradford, they did all that to make sure that I was fit and healthy enough to come back and start yeah. training before yeah. um, anything like that. Um, just kind of give me the all clear to start training and playing again. Wow, and they couldn't find anything. No, there was a slight discrepancy with the brain waves, mm. which I think is quite common with people that have had a seizure in the first place. Um, 
basically one in 10 people have a seizure and then one in 10 out of them, one in 10 have another one. And it's just about making sure that you don't have another one basically. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the biggest effect really is being not being able to drive. Yeah. Um, which yeah, we've yeah. touched on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of affected myself more from a mental point of view because it's just having that independence. Yeah. Um, so it means arranging things pre advance, getting lifts from family and yeah, friends, yeah. stuff like that, which hopefully I should get all the all clay to drive very soon. But it's yeah. been a long period without being able to. How long has it been? Ten months. Ten months without driving. Bloody hell. And and so it's pretty scary though, like that no symptoms out of it. Like there's no like, you know, it's not from concussions, it's not from this, it's it's literally like just a rare Yeah, it can just be really a, a one off, um and never happened again. Um if you have repeated seizures, that's when you um I think he's classed as being epileptic. Yeah, yeah. Um fingers crossed, I'm yeah, yeah. okay with. Um, but yeah, it was obviously a massive shock. I think, especially as a sportsman at the time, it helps your job. Mm. Um, and then having that, you're like, so how has that come? How has that happened? Is it, is it due to stress? Yeah, yeah. Is it due to the workload? Do I need to kind of stop? What other amount of stuff I'm doing? Am I eating and drinking right? Or mm. you kind of have these doubts about why. And to this day, I still haven't found out why because it's yeah. hard to find out. But I've tried to put all them implements in place now yeah. so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I'm surprised Ben didn't offer you a insurance injury insurance. Yeah, straight on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That was it. that was the first question. The second one was, "How are you?" <laughs> <laughs> You'd have gone shit. What form do they give him? <laughs> no, it, it's man. It, that's proper scary though. Like just to think that you're just walking down out the street and that happens. And did you reckon that was kind of like the final thing for you? Even though you went back to Bradford to play, were you just like, like this is kind of made me decision for yeah. me because. I think I had in total four months off to do all the tests and I started to enjoy being off rather than, I missed the lads, mm. but I didn't miss training, which kind of planted that seed in me going, maybe it's the right time. Yeah. And then with the health, with it being a health issue as well, it's like, how long more can I keep doing this? Yeah. And I was already preparing and started being a mortgage advisor already. So I felt like from that point onwards, I focused more on being a mortgage advisor mm and getting everything rolling to do that full time yeah, and kind of enjoy the last bits of rugby. Cause I knew it was going to be yeah. the last six to nine months of my career. Mm. Wow. That's, um, it's, it's an eye opener though, right? You know, the whole journey alone and it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty daunting that that something like that can just happen and hope to God that it doesn't happen again. And you're driving pretty soon. And yeah, and I'm very, 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 very grateful that you come in here today to, you know, talk about this and, and obviously get you as well to do it. But, um, so how, how are you finding obviously like the, the transition out? Like you said, you find it good with work, but I mean, as in routine wise, are you still keeping active or are you going full retirement mode? Are we going to need see a new Ant Walker getting around the field? Nah, I can't get that bad. <laughs> um, but no, I haven't, I haven't joined the gym yet. Um, as, as you know, too, way too of, expensive. It is a bit, to be honest. The January January prices. You've got to wait till after January. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, with Wales, I kind of couldn't play for Wales how I wanted to finish because of me back. Mm. Um, which I've seen a physio afterwards, and I look at the moment I've currently got sciatica, so at the moment I can't really run around and mm. do stuff like I like to. But as soon as that is getting better, but as soon as that's better. I'm, I'm going to join the gym and tick over and kind of accommodate it into my work schedule. 
Mm. So doing it three times a week, going in the mornings. So then I can work in the afternoons and the evenings as well to speak to clients. So that comes back to me arranging my own schedule. Mm. Like how many times do we get told you need to be at the gym for this time? Yeah, yeah. All it's, it's on me now. Yes, yeah, you. Um, and I've got to implement them structures and be self-disciplined mm. to do it because I don't want to be yeah. in double XL in a few months' time kind of thing. Yeah, I want to yeah. be able to keep reasonably healthy be nice to take my t-shirt off on the beach and not be thinking right hang on a minute yeah yeah kind of thing and stuff like that so yeah i think that's a yeah i think that's a real important thing and i know that they're doing more on it now is helping players and athletes transition out um but one thing you know we got with that the program side we have a lot of rugby players who are staying accountable with the walkers only program because it actually helps people for instance who you know haven't got someone on their shoulder making them accountable we continue that flow for them which is a really good thing so but ever down the track, you never know where you yeah. reset. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a good thing, and it it'd be it, it might be a great time for you as well to just open up your eyes. You can go away more often if you want. Like you said, you went to New York, um, and you can do a little bit more for yourself instead of you know. It might be like you said, you you checked out maybe a bit earlier than actually checking out. It would have been good to play in the World Cup with you in the Welsh camp. And it was great to see you actually because it's been so long. I've been in Australia 10, 10, 11 years, and then to see you there and you know, to see how much you've done and achieved. And you seem just really, really content. Like in the Welsh camp, like obviously, you, yeah, you were at Bradford then, but like, you was at ease with everything. Like you weren't bitter, you weren't kicking stones. You know, a lot of people had all the injuries you've had and, you know, you've had some extremely highs, but sometimes people leave the, leave the sport in anger, but you seem in a really good place about it all. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of looking back at it and the good things. Like I think any job or, a career you've had there's highs and lows mm. and I think if you kind of dwell on the lows you'll end up being kind of oh, could have been this could have been that yeah. or whatever but if you look at the highs and see what you did mm. I'm always cup half full and cup half empty yeah that's um, good. kind of thing and I'm proud of where I've got to mm. like you said at the start where we were from to what we've been to, like yeah. you've been to Australia for how many years played rugby over there played for your country yeah. my story as well none of us would have dreamed of that at nah. the start so I think you've got to look at it that way and go, yeah, it was great. Really enjoyed it. And take them, the positives out of that into the next stage of your life mm. kind of thing and, and then focus on that. Yeah. And be proud of what you've done. But also leave it there and move forward to the next stage. Yeah. Do you think having a, a brother like you did, you always kept each other competitive? Like you're always trying to beat each other? 100%. Yeah. I think it was one of the main drives. I think because it's only six minutes between us, there was no excuses. <laughs> Literally, it was like, well, six minutes between us. So if I'm better you than this, I'm better you than it. It's not because you're two years younger than me, or however many years, whatever, yeah, like stuff yeah. like that. And it it made it competitive. And I think at the start, when we were teenagers, people would probably use that as a way to kind of mm. make us have digs at each other. But I think as we grew up and become adults and more mature, we realised that rugby was rugby, mm. and we'd leave it there. And then when we come home, it was it. Yeah. kind of thing um, and it wasn't a question of who's better who's not we're mm. both succeeding in what we're doing definitely um, kind of thing so but yeah at the start there was competition but probably times it wasn't healthy competition yeah yeah is he um, obviously you played a Warrington together what was that feeling like running out together oh brilliant I think it's, it was it was hard because we were twins again playing at, and starting our getting our first team debuts at different times mm was always hard to deal with because someone would be up, someone would be down kind of thing. Yeah. And, it's, and our first game together was um, London away, I think, um, which I'm sure my mum came to watch or it might have been Hull, I can't remember. But 
just playing in both of them games and actually getting a full debut yeah. together was brilliant. And then from a season point of view, 2014 was when we played 20 odd games together, which was which yeah. was nice kind of thing because we were both in the team consistently. Yeah, like kind of, and just enjoying it with a lot of the younger younger lads who are our age who were in the team as well. Mm. Uh, and that was a fond year as well. That's good, that is. It's um yeah, man, you can reflect on your career and obviously Ben's still going, he's at Barrow now. Yeah. Doing the long drive up there. Yeah, it's a long drive that and after the day job as well. So uh I'm I think he's enjoying it from speaking to him, like it's a new challenge for him from mm. even from Bradford to go to there. Um and I think Ben's probably got at least another couple of years left in him. Yeah. So I think he's aiming for the next World Cup. But front rowers always last a bit longer, don't they? Yeah. So they lose the speed when they're like 19, 20, don't they? So, um, so yeah, I'm sure he'll keep on playing for as long as he can. And I'll be watching a few games. I'm hoping to go to the Bradford Barrow game as well as the Witness Barrow game where Walks versus Ben. That'll be a tasty yeah, yeah. one as well, wouldn't it? That would be a good one. Looking back in your career with so many highs, is it anything you regret? No, because I, I'd want to look on the fun bits of it. Um, I think at the time... Yeah, injuries are always the, the worst part, I think, for me. Because that's when you're isolated, you're on your own, mm. um, thinking about, oh, am I going to get fit? Am I going to be the same again? Am I going to go back and see? All them mental challenges that go with being an in, having an injury. But I look back at it and go, I was proud to come up here from the age of 13 to the age of 30 and do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and achieve what I wanted to achieve. And I'm happy and content with what I've achieved. Class. Which is why I'm happy now I'm doing my new career mm. and I can do all the things that rugby doesn't allow you to do. Yeah. Holidays, weekends, having a beer when you want to have a beer, basically. Mm. It's things like that where um, you know, I've been thinking, oh, can't do that. I've got a game, I've got training, I've got to eat this or whatever yeah. it might be, which you do when you're a professional player because you want to do it. Yeah. And then when your mindset changes, it becomes more of a burden. Yeah. Um, which is where I was at. Yeah. Two last questions before we wrap it up. Who was the ultimate professional in your career, like out of everyone you know? And who was the person who would do next to nothing, have the sloppiest of diets and still turn up and play well? Um, best professional I played with was Michael Monaghan. Hmm. Um, absolutely unbelievable rig for the age he okay. was. Yeah, yeah great, um, great. tough as nails and was probably with Brazy the smartest player I ever played with. Hmm. And I'm not surprised he's gone into coaching. He's coaching now. I think he's still coaching at Manly. He was coaching at yeah, Catalan. Yeah. Um, was basically another coach on the field at the same really? time. Um, so definitely him. And then <laughs> sloppiest. Um, I think people are sloppy at different points. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of thing. Um, think, no. Anyone who just loved the boozer and just would always oh, pull up. His brother Joel was opposite. opposite. <laughs> if you wanted a night out, you went out with Joel. Yeah, yeah. Um, really fun, really enjoyable to be around. Chalk and cheese, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, but he was, when it came to playing, like, I think he's one of the record try scorers at Warren, scored a try every game, basically. Yeah, wow. Um, he, he, what he was good at, he was really good at. But yeah, he liked to enjoy himself <laughs> outside of it as well. And you you touched on someone then, and someone I, used, I looked up to, and now he's coaching up the Broncos, Brisbane Broncos, Lee Brias. He was a bit of a larrikin as well, though, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I think Breezy was, Breezy's career kind of like kind of went over like how the game changed. Mm. So I think when Breezy started, it was it was obviously professional, mm. but it wasn't probably professional like it was now. No. Um, and then when, I think when Tony came in, it kind of completely changed the behind the scenes at Warrington in the sense of 
we want to be winning things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of changed Brazy's probably career, second half of his career. But Brazy was definitely in top two smartest players that I played with because it was all here. Yeah. Like, and as a half, you could he was the loudest person on the field. He controlled the game. Like, um, every aspect of the game that he could do, he did. Mm. Uh, and you listened as well because he had the respect of the lads. Yeah. He, he was a freak, man. His kicking game was unreal. And he wasn't the most phys- physical, like physique-wise, he wasn't in great form, but he could just, ki- like, p- killer passes and just run, watch, like he could just know what opposition were doing. There's some players that, because they've got it here and they've got it here, they can just do things. You think, how have you done that? Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he wasn't the most physical. He didn't like tackling. When yeah. I was young, he'd be like, Reese, come back and make tackles for me and go back and catch the kick <laughs> kind of thing. But he did it because you were young and yeah. you knew that if he was fresh when he had the ball, he could do something with it yeah. or put someone in a gap um, kind of thing. And like, you know, there's, there's, that's why he had such a good career mm. and one of the things he did. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, brother, thank you so much for jumping on. Last thing I ask everyone is, what are you grateful for? Um, I think what I'm grateful for is the people around me, the support that you get. Uh, I've had over the 15 years of 15 years I've been doing it, and even now, is what's helped me through it. Mm. And I think having that close network of people that you can talk to openly and honestly mm. about issues or even just about the good things mm. um, is what I'm always grateful for. Nice, mate. Well, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, mate. Take Thanks care. for having me on. See ya.